We're, we're going to continue in our season of Advent this morning. That's our third week of Advent, and Michael has taken us through the first couple of weeks. So week one of Advent, we looked at the arrival of Zechariah, and we were shown how God remembers us, God reveals himself to us, and how God re renews us in the silence. Last week, we looked at the arrival of Mary onto the scene, and Michael shared with us how God comes to us, God comforts us, and God calls us to himself. And this morning, that leads us to the arrival of the wise men. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, as we continue in this theme of arrival during the Advent season. So I want to share a little bit of my story with you, mine and Mandy's story. <clears throat> I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I had uh, a special opportunity to be able to serve as a student pastor in my home church where I grew up, the people that poured into my life and helped raise me. I was then able to turn around and serve them and minister to them and, and pour into the lives of their students. It's all I'd ever known. It's all I'd ever been a part of. All my family is there, uh, my siblings, uncles, everybody, parents, you name it, all of my family is there. And in 2013, the Lord began to do something, and we began having conversations about if the Lord would want us to move to Birmingham, Alabama, and be a part of Double Oak Community Church. So Mandy and I began praying about this. We went through an interview process in the month of October of 2013. We went through an interview process in November of 2013, and during that time, I began to just have some reservations, I began to have some doubts, I began to have some fears that developed inside of me. Um, I'd only done ministry in one location. I was taught how to be a student pastor at my home church, then I became the student pastor at my home church. One of the fears that I had was, what if everything that I know doesn't translate? What if it just is going to be effective here to this congregation? What if I take this to Alabama and it just, it, it just doesn't work? What if I fail? Then what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to take my family across a couple of state lines just to fail? Well, we don't have any family outside of Baton Rouge, so I began to fear, like, what if we don't develop relationships with people? What if we really just don't develop community with our faith family and, and we don't have any family here and something happens and something comes up and, and we need help. Will there, will there be anyone that we've developed a relationship with that can help us? And so these different fears began to creep up in, into my life and in my heart. And, and, and I just remember having conversations with Mandy and, and, and talking through these things because she had to, to work through this and process this too. Her parents were there. So we were going to leave everybody. And I remember going through that entire process and just sh sharing this with the Lord. God, I I'm scared about this. I'm, I'm afraid this is going to happen. And it was, it was so amazing how the Lord met us in that place, was so kind to us, so gracious, patient with us, how he provided, he brought people into our lives who did not know anything about what was going on, just to share with us. And it was just a message from the Lord. And it just, 
caring for our hearts and our souls in that, in that process. And so we, we accept what the Lord's doing, and we follow him to Birmingham. And I arrived here before Mandy and the kids. Preston and Blair were very little at the time. Blair had just been born, and we couldn't afford two mortgages. So Mandy and the kids stayed uh, with the family at our house until the house sold. So I'm here, and, and because of that, we were traveling back and forth, and we're looking for houses all at the same time. And uh, one day, we're out looking at houses, and that's when snowpocalypse happened. And we're out looking at houses, and I'm thinking, I don't know that I could live here. Uh, this never happens in Baton Rouge. Um, we don't ever get snow and ice like that in South Louisiana. Like, where are we moving to? How are we going to do this? Like, I don't know what to do. Is my family going to be okay here? All these fears just constantly, just the, the enemy just whispering in my ear. And, and uh, the night of snowpocalypse, we ended up staying at my realtor's parents' house for the next two nights. And the Lord had gone before us and prepared that moment for us. Everything that we needed was there. It was just, it was unbelievable. It was remarkable. And I, I can get into more details, but we, we don't have that time. But just to the point, like, the Lord met us where we were and, and, and brought us to himself and helped our faith in him grow. But it took being obedient and following him but I imagine many of us in this room understand that battle between fear and faith and having that wrestling match. Uh, and we walk through that. I've walked through it a number of different times, but we're going to see that in this passage this morning. We're going to see what fear can do, but also what faith does. So Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read the first 12 verses. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search, <clears throat> excuse me, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I, may, I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. We see two things that we're going to kind of dig into here in Matthew 2. We see the fear of Herod and the faith of the wise men. We're going to start with Herod. What do we know about Herod the king? 
Herod was appointed as king of Judea, thus he knew that at any point there could always be someone who could be appointed to replace him. He was successful in his endeavors. He built fortresses, palaces, aqueducts, and uh, remodeled the temple in Jerusalem. Very successful. But he was also cruel, hateful, and not trustworthy. Herod was driven by fear. In verse 3, when he hears about the birth of Christ, says that he is troubled. He's distraught. You ever had that feeling in the pit of your stomach where you're just restless? There is some anxiety. Your stomach's turning. It's in knots. You can't focus. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You just can't stay still. You just don't know what to do. Something has to be done. I'm just not sure what I need to do here. Herod is dealing with this emotion. He's troubled. He thought of Jesus as a political ruler only. So he, he just didn't have this full knowledge of, of who Jesus was because we know that Jesus was not a political ruler. He was the savior of all kind, of all mankind. So fear can really have a negative effect on us. It can cause anxiety. It can cause indecisiveness in our thinking and actions, resulting in inaction because we're afraid to fail. It can drive us to destructive habits in an attempt to cope. It robs us of peace and contentment. It creates doubt. We can struggle with fear in the change and losing something. Herod feared losing his throne. He feared losing his kingdom. It caused him to manipulate. It caused him to murder. It caused him to do many cruel and evil things. My question to you this morning is, are you being driven by fear? Is there a kingdom in your life that you are trying to protect? Our little kingdoms can be many things. Clay shared an article with me in which Eric Geiger shared four root idols. Power, control, comfort, or approval. Our kingdoms can be our career, it could be our possessions, it could be money, it could be popularity or status. For me, a lot of times, my little kingdom it's going to fall under the category of control. I like things to be done my way. I want to be comfortable. I want to be in control. There have been many times in my life where I've been frustrated or I've been hurt or I've been sorrowful or I've been uncertain and I'm just not happy. God, I, I want to be happy. I want to be comfortable. I want things to unfold the way I'd like for them to unfold. So I'm going to pray for this, thinking that, all right, I'm praying the right thing because I've thought through this. I've thought through all the different angles, and God, I think I found the right path. And so for me to be comfortable, for me to be happy, God, I need you to help me right here. I need you to make this work out. I need you to fix this for me. This is clearly broken, and God, I know we live in a broken world, so I need you to fix this. Fix this for me. 
And, and I pray this in, in an attitude of wanting to be in control of the situation instead of just surrendering that situation to the Father and allowing him to care for me, allowing him to love me and trusting in him that he knows much better than I do. So we battle this fear, we battle this sense of control, and the reality is we're just not in control of anything. And we think we are. And we don't, we don't even necessarily realize that we're doing it. Like, I think I'm in control. I'm going to get in my truck, and I'm going to drive to my house after church services today and have lunch with my family. I hope it goes that smoothly, but I'm not really in control of that situation. I could get a flat tire. I could run over a nail on the way there. I have to stop, change a tire. Didn't plan on that. I'm not in control of that situation. I think I'm going to go to this restaurant for lunch one day, and I get there, the wait's too long. I'm not in control. And I just get frustrated. I get flustered when things don't go my way because I'm trying to control the situation. I just have to stop. What am I so afraid of? Why am I trying to hang on to this? Why am I seeking control in this situation? I need to let the Lord control this. I need to let go of my fear. I need to surrender this to him. Stop worrying about my creature comforts. Stop worrying about me trying to be in control. And allow the Lord to be in control. What is it that you are trying to control? What is it that you might be trying to protect a little kingdom in your life? Maybe fear has crept in and you just like, I just don't want to let go because I feel like I'm in control of my little kingdom. And I can assure you that surrendering that to Jesus will always be the right thing to do. The one who is really in control, the one who really knows, the one who loves you and has given his life for you, the one who can be trusted. Would you be willing to ask the Father this morning to help you to see any idols that you have in your life or any kingdoms that you need to surrender? Would you be willing to ask that this morning? In John 16, Jesus tells us, take heart. I have overcome the world. There's nothing to fear. I've overcome. I've come to, to give you my peace. Receive the peace of Christ. All right, let's look at the other end of the spectrum. The wise men. What do we know about the wise men from the east? The word used here is magi, and it is Indo-European, and its root carries the meaning of greatness. These were great men. They were wise, certainly going to be wise in multiple subjects. One that we can see here in the scriptures, they were wise in astrology. They were able to see a star and follow it. You ever try to do that, like, honestly, you ever try to just follow a star? I wonder where that's going to lead me. I mean, I, I wouldn't know where to begin, but they did. We know that they came from the east and possibly looking at an area such as Persia, which would be modern-day Iran. So to travel from Iran to Jerusalem means traveling over a 1,000 miles. I've been on many trips in my life. As I imagine, a lot of you have been on trips. Sometimes trips don't go according to plan. Uh, my Second summer at Double Oak, I was very fortunate enough to go on a mission trip to Romania. And it was unbelievable. It was amazing. It didn't start out well, though. Um, I've never been on a plane that long. I really wasn't sure how I was going to handle it. I mean, I've never been to Europe. 
And so that's a long time on a plane. I had flown before, so I didn't really have anxiety over flying. I, I didn't think I did. Uh, but I, I mean, I remember, so I'm about to board, on, board this plane, and I'm going to be in this thing for a long time. And so I'm like, okay, we're in Miami, we're about to board the plane, I go get the neck pillow, so I'm going to try and sleep on a plane, I've never been able to sleep on a plane, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So I'm going to go get a neck pillow to give me my support and help me out, <clears throat> and I have some Unisom with me to help me sleep. And so I take the Unisom, we get on the plane, everybody's got the windows closed, I'm like, thankful, okay, it's going to be dark and quiet, and I don't know, I don't know what was going on, but the Unisom had the complete opposite effect, it didn't work at all. It, it, it like wired me. It, it just kept me up. And I thought, okay, maybe it's just, maybe I am a little anxious about being on a plane for this long. Uh, maybe I am a little nervous, and it's going to be a long trip. It's going to be the longest I've ever really been away from my family. And so, you know, I wasn't totally ready to, to just say, all right, it was the Unisom. So we land, and when you land, you get there, you just get wired again. So even if you haven't slept for like 30 hours, you're just excited. And we go get something to eat. We get to the hotel, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to pop another Unisom. Boom. I mean, wired. I remember pacing through the hotel room half the night. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to sleep. Like, th this is not what you do on a mission trip. I have to be able to sleep. I I'm, I'm going to be totally ineffective. And so, you know, it hit me. I was like, hey, you got to stop taking the Unisom. And I did, and I was able to sleep. It ended up being a great trip. didn't start out well. I remember taking a trip, a mission trip from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Montrose, Colorado. That is a long drive, especially with teenagers. And, and I, I don't know how many times I asked the question, how much longer are we going to be in the state of Texas? But it was a lot, and I just felt like you're never going to get, uh, how big is this state? Like, just get me out of Texas. Get me there already. That, uh, there are some really barren places in the state of Texas. Last year, there were some of us on staff. We tried to get to Indianapolis for a pastor's conference. We made it as far as Atlanta. And um, weather delayed the, our connecting flight from Miami, and it was delayed and delayed and delayed until we just got to stay all night in the Atlanta airport and wait till Hertz opened up at 7 a.m. and try and get a car and drive back home. And that, that, was, that was not fun. But when I look back at these moments, these challenging trips, there were a lot of creature comforts even in the midst of the challenges. I mean, we had food everywhere at our disposal. You can pull off anywhere, get you something to eat, drop of a hat. Oh, I'm hungry. You know, here we go. We had motorized vehicles that could drive us places and carry us there. We had planes, and we're there in a couple hours. We had heating and air conditioning and nice hotel rooms with pillows and blankets. And we had a lot of things that helped make the trips very comfortable. These wise men traveled over a thousand miles and had none of those things. I can't imagine just the perseverance being so zealous to get to the king. That these were Gentile men who traveled over a thousand miles to worship the Jewish king. And this is what truly makes them wise, right? Their faith in Christ Jesus. That they were willing to travel as far as they did because this, this is the Christ. 
Nothing will keep us from him. We, we're going to go and worship him. It's interesting, when they come before Herod, Herod brings in the chief priests and the scribes, and these were the, these were the religious leaders. And he asked them, where is the Christ going to be born? And they knew instantly. They knew what the scriptures said. Oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Michael read it this morning. Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. They read it to Herod. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. There wasn't much to write home about Bethlehem. It was just a small little town. And it was five miles south of Jerusalem. And we see the wise men travel over a thousand miles to worship Jesus. And the religious leaders of the day wouldn't even travel five miles to worship him. They knew about him. They knew what the scripture said. But they didn't bother to make the journey five miles to see what was going on to worship Jesus. It's a stark reminder that knowledge doesn't necessarily equal salvation. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Let us not just know about Jesus, but know Jesus to worship him. The wise men did not go to Jesus empty-handed. They brought gifts. In fact, they brought very nice gifts. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold is the metal of kings. Frankincense, it's, just, it's an incense. It gives a pleasant odor. One of its uses was to put in the oil to anoint the priests. Myrrh also had multiple uses, and one of which it was used for the embalming process. In these gifts, we see Christ's royalty, we see Christ's divinity, and we see Christ's humanity. This is how William Barclay describes the gifts. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for the one that was to die. These were the gifts of the wise men. And they foretold that he was the true king, the great high priest, and in the end, the supreme savior of men. The worship team is going to come, uh, come up and want to walk through a little bit of this with you as we, as we begin to close. The arrival of these men can teach us many things. We see their faith, willing to journey however long it took to get to Jesus. Nothing was going to stop them. They would not be deterred. They were going to worship Jesus. What are we willing to do to worship Jesus? How far are we willing to go? What are we willing to let go of? What do we need to surrender to Jesus? 
Are you willing to bow before Christ and surrender your gift to him? Are you willing to trust him and surrender your control or your comfort, your approval? Are you willing to receive the salvation that only he can give to rescue you from your fear? Thanksgiving week was a very contemplative time for me. For whatever reason, it's typically not that way, but it was a very contemplative week for me, and I just spent a lot of time just at different moments during that week uh, just speaking with the Lord and and hearing from the Lord and just what the Holy Spirit was sharing with me and, and what he was just laying on my heart. And I just began to think, of my journey in the last 20 years that I've been in full-time ministry. And I know the Lord's given me gifts. And I know that he's done some really tremendous and remarkable things in my life and through my life. Not because of what I bring to the table, because he is patient and kind and good. And I just began to think and, and just talk with the Lord about the gifts that he's given me, and it's like, Lord, I, I, I just want to know that the ministry that you've called me to has been effective. I, I, I know that there are times where I've gotten in the way. There are times where I know that I have listened to the voice of fear and not to the voice of my father. I know there were times when he wanted me to speak and I didn't. That there were times when he wanted me to go and I remained because I was afraid. What if I fail? What if I mess this up? What if I fall flat on my face? And it was just, it was a, a, a special time for me just to be able to receive that grace and mercy from the Father that he just met me there. And... I had that opportunity to, to surrender my gifts to him again. It's like, I, I, I don't want to take this back. My heart is to serve you. Whether I understand or not, whatever you call me to, that's what I want to be obedient to. I want to surrender this to you. Everything that you've given me, the gifts that you've given me, they are yours. And you just do whatever you want to do. I just, I just want to worship you. I just want to be with you. I have stumbled, and he was there to pick me up. He has put people in my life that have encouraged me and loved me, and he has been so faithful even when I haven't been.
And uh, a week and a half ago, you know, or so, Michael asked me, "Hey, would you wanna would you wanna preach during Advent season?" Man, that would be great. I'd be honored. I would be honored. I would love to. And we talked. It's like, hey, look, we're going through Advent, and I know we're looking at the arrival of different persons on the scene, and I don't want to get ahead of you. Like, let's, I want to talk through this with you just to make sure that we can remain on the same page here. And he gave me, he gave me a lot of freedom. And so I, I just I sought the scriptures. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to be? And I went home. I talked to Mandy, and we, we really just got to talking about this passage, and I, I, you know, tried to kind of steer off of it. Like, I don't know if that's, if, I don't know if that's going to be the best thing. Like, I think, think maybe I should go to a different passage. So here I am trying to control the situation again, and the Lord just wouldn't let me get away from it. He said, no, this is where I want you to be. And as I studied this passage this week, and I began praying and preparing for this time, I went back to Thanksgiving week. I said, oh my goodness, this sermon is for me. But I think it's for all of us. I think it's for all of us. And that the Lord calls all of us to surrender it to him. To learn from the faith of these wise men, to bow before Christ, give him our gifts that he has given us, and worship him, and worship him alone. So begin to think through just how the, the scriptures describe Jesus, some of the names of Jesus, and it's just so beautiful, it's so amazing. This list is not exhaustive by any means, but I want to share with you who this Jesus is, who this King is. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the bread of life. He is the bright and morning star. He is the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone. He is faithful and true, the good shepherd. He is the I am. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. He is the light of the world. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Holy Child, our Savior, our Messiah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Will you surrender to the king this morning? Will you worship the king this morning and trust in him? Father, I'm so thankful for your patience with us. I'm so thankful for your grace and your mercy. And I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for the life, the peace, the joy that we have in you, Jesus. For you, Holy Spirit, how you care for us, how you minister to us, how you meet us right where we are. Help us not to be afraid. Help us to relinquish what control we think we may have. Help us to trust in you. 
to worship you, the one, the true king. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.